So today we're going to start our, uh, the very first teaching series of 2014. Yay! One we uh, really believe that is uh, going to echo in your heart, not just today, but uh, really across the whole of the, the year. Uh, our uh, the teaching series that we're starting today. And, uh, you know, it's, we're excited about what God's going to do. We are, but it's a little bit... It's a little bit hazy in here. I can't see very clearly. Oh, can't you? No, it looks very, very flat. Oh, does it? Well, I, I'm, I, I might have to do something about that because, uh, you know, it is uh, serious. It's, it's 3D. So uh, I, I, I've made sure that I've got my 3D glasses on. <laughs> That's better. I, I've got the, the, I, everything's clear, clean. I, I, whoa. It, it, it's, people are just uh, three-dimensional now. I mean, I... Well, it That's... still looks very flat to me. What about me? Have oh, you got something for me? I have, actually. I brought you a pair just oh. so that you, you could be there with me. I see you've got his and hers glasses. Yes, of course. And I tried to make sure I go them the right way around. <laughs> you could try these ones. I, I don't think they quite suit me. So, uh, so is, that, is that better? I think so. Becky's not here, so someone else has to take a picture. <laughs> so who else has got their 3D glasses on? Who carries their 3D glasses around just in case they go to a 3D cinema? <laughs> See, look, that's typical. My daughter, Abby, very flexible. Always ready. We have, we have some in the car, don't we, in the glove box? That's right, we do. Because we, we Who keep, has some in their car? the wrong ones at home. Do you mean to say that you buy glasses every time you go to the cinema? Oh. A bit more planning goes Maybe in, obviously, in that household. Maybe we ought to do a sermon on being spontaneous. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know about you, but did you actually know what, uh, what happened? You know, actually, 3D's been around for a little while. I, I found, when I was looking up this, that the, uh, the first time that uh, a product to, to, to view things in uh, 3D was done in 1894. Woo! Wow. How about that? That's a long time ago. Uh, and, and in 1915, the first red and green film test shots were shown. 1920, the first 3D film was screened in a cinema, and it was called The Power of Love. Ooh, <laughs> wow. How about that? <laughs> or what about 1950? Was That's when the first of the uh, period of 3D cinemas really started to come out. But it kind of got knocked to the side a bit by the colour films and, and the uh, stereo yeah. and stuff like then that. Then the 1980s and 90s, IMAX and Disney were the main 3D films. But, of course, we all know. 2019, Avatar kind of topped a lot, didn't it? 2019. 29. 2009. 2009. 2009. Whatever. 29. Can you really try that? Just rewind that. Can you really that. see clearly with these on? Yeah, it might be a hell to take these off. In the 2009, Avatar just kind of changed things a bit, didn't it? It did, but Avatar made me feel sick. Why? <laughs> because it was too real. It was a bit too it was real. Too real. Does anybody ah. else get sick, feel sick when they go and watch 3D films? See, one other person. Yeah, Another well, person. 
It's because it, it, you see the depth of field, you see the perception, everything that's going on. I know, but it's too real because you feel like you're moving. Yeah. yeah. It kind of messes with your mind a bit. And that's kind of our question for this year. What are you really seeing? You know, what, 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 what are you actually perceiving in the spirit? Are you seeing the full picture of what God wants to do this year? And have you really got the right glasses on? Yeah, do you need these ones? I think I might need those ones. Okay. Okay. So, So, 2014, we're continuing 2013's vision. Because when Alan and I went away and we were looking at everything that we did last year, we did loads of stuff and we did loads of sermons to do with step up, step in, step out. But there was so much that we didn't even touch on. And we realized we never even did a series on being a disciple so that's where we thought this is yeah. a really good place to start. That's right. So if you just turn to uh, Matthew 29, because uh, 28, sorry. Let's try and get uh, one of the actual uh, books in the Bible. Um, Matthew 28. Because this is our scripture over the year. It's, it's really what we've been speaking about last year and this year. Matthew 28. And starting at verse 18. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Yeah. So that's, it's interesting, you know, there's just uh, sort of three things we want to just pull out there very quickly, just mention. Jesus said it's all authority. In other words, what he's about to say carries everything of creation, heaven, of the Father, and of things that you can see. Every part of it is subject to this word. Go make disciples. So that go make disciples word comes with the complete authority. Every part of creation Every part of the heavenlies and every part of the past, the future, and the current working together. Because that's what Jesus is, yesterday, today, and forever. Mm. And it says also that we're to teach them to obey everything. So we're not just to be disciples ourselves. We're not just to go and say, do you want to be a disciple? We need to make those disciples. And how we make those disciples is by teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has said and he has written down. So to do that, we need to be disciples. That's right. And do you remember part of the vision last year was disciples make disciples? Mm-hmm. That's right. And you see, the thing about 3D vision, 3D vision gives us height, width, and depth. And so uh, to give you that complete picture... That makes things stand out correctly and properly. And that's why uh, we got this uh, 3D series, because today's 3D is determined. Okay? The word determined. Okay, this is, this is the first part, because if you turn with me to, to Mark chapter 1, and we haven't yet got onto the next slide, so just keep it on that. Okay, so this is our scripture of the whole of this year. But uh, Mark 1 and uh, verse 16, which is just the other side of the page from where you are already, Uh, Mark 16, 
Mark, uh, Mark 1, verse 16, sorry. <clears throat> it says that as Jesus walked beside the sea of Galilee, he, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting that, and he said to them, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Do you understand? The first thing Jesus does with us is to put a call on our lives. There's a, there's a command, come and follow. It's not, believe in me. It's interesting that actually the very first thing that Jesus said, the, the, this first part of it, and, and uh, if we just turn to the, the, the very first slide, I think our biggest question this year is, am I a disciple or a believer? Am I a disciple or a believer? You see, if, if the call is to follow Jesus, then is believing enough? Well, even the devil believes in Jesus. That's right, and trembles. And trembles. Because he knows. But he's not a follower, is he? But he definitely doesn't follow. No. And I'm definitely following you here. And I'm following you. All right, okay. In that case, I'd better go on. So, so let's just think about this. What's their response? <laughs> As we read through this, what does it say next? At once, or immediately, depending on which, which version of the Bible you're reading. They yeah. left their nets and followed him. And when he got a little bit further, he saw another two, and we read the same, that they followed him. So that to be a believer means to be a disciple. There's, there isn't a one rate is that you believe in Christ and you're saved. And then there's the extreme guys, you know, like, the, like uh, uh, Radic with his uh, fitness. You know, he's extreme on the fitness side of things. I'm not. I occasionally go to the gym. I think about going to the gym. He does it. You know, there's a, there's a difference. And you can see the difference physically, <laughs> especially this time of year. But shouldn't we be extreme if we are following Jesus. Well, the point is, if you aren't, then actually you're not a believer. Mm. That hits hard, doesn't it? Yeah. Because in, in, math, in Mark, it goes on around 16, Mark 16, it actually says, believers will lay hands on the sick, will drink poisons, mm. will pick up snakes, will do all kinds of incredible miracles. So, in other words, if you can't be a believer if you're not doing those things. Mm. So, if you can't be a believer without doing something, that really is a big challenge, isn't it, to us? Mm. As to our lives and how much we're actually living with mm. Jesus. Mm. I mean, one of the things I love about the disciples is that they were really responsive. They responded straight away. When they were called... They didn't think about it. They didn't go, I've got a whole load of th things to do. It says they immediately left. No matter what they were doing, whether they were the tax collector or whether they were the fishermen, they immediately left and followed. There was something exciting, something wonderful, and that's why they responded. So one of the things that we see about a disciple is that we need to be responsive. Yeah. When Jesus says something to us, we need to respond immediately. That's right. After all, I mean, you know, Jesus is the one that sets the standards of what discipleship is. 
You know, we, we, we can't set our opinions in these things. If Jesus says, this is what you do, then this is what you do. Mm. And that's what we see with the early disciples is that's exactly what they did. They saw, and essentially they came out of every kind of background. You know, Peter and, and John and Andrew and others, they, they, you know, they were fishermen. Levi or Matthew, depending which uh, version of the Bible you're reading, is a tax collector and uh, Simeon or Simon. Uh, you know, he, he was a zealot or a politician. Hey, politicians, listening to the word of God. That sounds like something that's going to happen this year. Woohoo! All right. But see, they were carrying, they were carrying the same vision. You see, the, the disciples did everything Jesus did. Mm. They lived where Jesus was. They ate with Jesus. They, were, they weren't living kind of just visiting Jesus from time to time. In fact, actually, there was a bunch of women that were there with him serving his needs. So what we see is there was men and women. There was all kinds of backgrounds. Their priorities were Jesus' priorities. That's right. That's what they said. So everywhere he was, they were. Everything he did, they were following straight behind. And it talks, doesn't it? We were looking up some of the dictionary definitions, and one of them was about how a disciple adheres, yeah. adheres, which sticks to. So we were talking about, you know, if I'm going to follow Alan, then I need to stick to Alan wherever he goes. So if he goes out of here, I need to stick with him. Oh, are you going now? Okay. <laughs> you know, we need to stick really closely together. That's what we need to do with Jesus, isn't it? That's we need right. to adhere to him. And in fact, actually, i got a quote, if I can find it. There's... Uh, Oswald, no, no, sorry, it's the Donald, it's a Donald Miller, right? Donald Miller, the, the he, this guy is uh, is uh, wrote this in uh, Blue Light Jazz. This is non-religious thoughts on Christian spirituality. The trouble with deep belief is that it costs something, and there is something inside me, something, some selfish beast of a subtle thing that really doesn't like the truth at all because it carries responsibility. And if I actually believe these things, I have to do something about them. It's so cumbersome to believe anything. Mm. A non-Christian talking about Christianity there. Mm. Interesting quote, that. But what he's doing is he's recognizing the responsibility, isn't he? That's the right. The responsibility of being a disciple, of believing something. Because if you believe it with your whole heart, if you That's... follow with your whole heart... Mm -hmm. There is a responsibility. So we're beginning to see the difference between somebody who just believes and somebody who is a, who is a disciple. That's is right. A disciple carries responsibility. That's right. Mm. So that's one of the next questions. Are we wholehearted or are we partial? You know, it's interesting as we just read that uh, passage. Jesus called Peter and John. Peter and Andrew and uh, John and his, his brother, they called, he called them, they followed. But then we read later on, they went back. They went back and they were fishing again. And actually there were different times when actually they went back. And, that, and we, we read in, in John 21, Jesus has to actually kind of get hold of Peter and, do you love me? Do you really love me? Do you love me more than these, these fish? Come on, get on and feed the, feed the flock I called you to. 
Yeah, and there was something about that. And, and uh, I, I've been reading uh, about Elijah and Elisha. If you, if you just uh, turn to uh, 1 Kings 19 in the, in the Old Testament, 1 Kings 19, uh, we haven't quite got to there in our uh, reading plan yet, but uh, it was one of this, the uh, things that I was reading. The call of Elisha in verse uh, 19 of chapter 19 of 1 Kings. So Elisha went from there and found, sorry, Elijah went from there and found Elisha, the son of uh, Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him, threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen, ran after Eli, uh, sorry, Elijah. Let me try and get to read this properly. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Interesting. Elijah didn't actually say anything. He just put his coat around him. Mm. Mm. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elijah left his, Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen, slaughtered them. He burnt the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. And he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. It's interesting, you know, the cloak, it speaks of authority. It's a... It was uh, a symbol of that authority. Uh, and so when, when uh, the prophet put his, uh, his cloak around the guy, the guy's response was, hang on a minute, I've got to do something. Mm. Let me just quickly say goodbye. But then his next response, mm. and you see for, for uh, Peter and John and the others, they actually had to come to this point in a progressive way. They left everything. But it was still there. Mm. And so they went back to it. But for Elisha, mm. he knew his own heart. And he knew if he didn't burn everything, burn the boats, burn the, burn the oxen ox, and, the, and the plow, he would have gone back for it because things get tough. Mm. But the call of God on his life meant he had to be wholehearted. Mm. So the question, the question really to us, is have we burned all those things that hold us back from following God? Or are there still things in our lives that we really like, but it takes our time and it takes us away from the call of God? Mm. That's right. But Elisha went on even further. When he knew his master was about to die, we read this in 2 Kings 2, 2 Kings chapter 2, his master's getting ready to go up to heaven. Elisha is so determined to stick next to his master that even though the prophets tell him, your master's going up to heaven, he doesn't go, right, hang on a minute, you prophets, you need to come with me. In fact, I'm going to come with you guys. I'm going to take our charge. I, I, I'm the heir. I'm the one that's anointed to lead everything. So you guys come with me. I, he didn't leave Elijah. He's stuck with Elijah. He stuck with him. Even when his master said, right, off you go. You get on with the ministry that I've anointed you for. He's like, no, nope, I'm sticking with you right to the very end. And we read about that in, in, uh, in chapter 2 of uh, 2 Kings. So much so that he's almost having to, uh, the, his master's almost having to pry his fingers off of him in order to actually get onto the chariot. 
He wasn't promoting himself. He wasn't making his ministry his. Yet he'd been anointed for something. He was waiting for the call of God. He was continuing to serve. You see, we can never be bigger than the master. We can never. Jesus said, it's enough to serve the master. Talking of himself. So a disciple is totally wholehearted right to the very end of our lives. That's interesting, isn't it? It is. Not just partial, but wholehearted. Elisha and Elijah, we see that. But it's something we need to look at continually, isn't it? Because, you know, when we first make that decision to be a disciple, we go for it 100%, don't we? And then things happen in our lives. And, you know, the enemy wants to wear us down. There are circumstances in our life because we're not of this world, but we live in the world. And we have to make that decision. It's a mark of maturity, isn't it? Mm. To make that decision to continually be wholehearted. And to really answer Mm. that question, am I available or am Mm. I busy? Mm. Am I available or am I busy? Mm. You know, Jesus, we we, we read in, in Mark 10, he has an encounter with a guy that is like, he wants to know how... How can he really serve God? So if you just turn to uh, Mark 10. Mark chapter 10. And verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him and said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? (coughs) Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. Don't you know the commandments? Do not murder Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him, loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have. Give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. So he had to sell everything, everything that was part of the life that he had now. Now, this scripture isn't saying that we need to be poor because we need finances, don't we, to do things. But it was about the life that he was living. Was he prepared to change? Was he prepared to let go of everything that he had and everything that said who he was? And that's a big challenge, isn't it? Because a lot of the time, we want to be seen. We want, to, we want other people to notice what we're doing. You know, we're human, aren't we? And there is a pride element in us, if we're not careful, that we want people to see how good we are, how great we are, how wonderful we are, how wealthy we are. You know, because at the end of the day, the most humble person was Jesus. And we're all working towards that, being a person full of humility. So what do you need to sell? What do you need to remove from your life? What do you need to change so that you are available and you're not busy? You're not busy of things going on. I mean, this is a great opportunity with the fasting, isn't it? You know, we've talked about fasting um, a meal, but maybe you do want to fast media or, or something else as well, you know, 
but really you do need to miss, miss a meal. That's what we've asked everybody to do. But it is a good time to really evaluate your life at the beginning and to look at your life and go, am I a true disciple or do I just believe? And oh, we just discovered we can't just believe. No. Oh, you see, the call actually interfered with this young guy's life. It interfered with his business plan. It interfered with his inheritance and his, his relationship with his parents. You know, these, these are the things. He was a wealthy young man. And you see, what we're trying to bring out is not the, the, the giving up of the wealth, but the giving up of the plans, the giving up of the uh, set future, the giving up of the, the way he's going to live. Because that was a specific call. It was an unusual call to give up all your money. It's not everybody that's called to just sell and give up. But each one of us is called to lay down our whole life. This is what Jesus said. It, it, you, you can't be my disciples unless you pick up your cross and follow me. That's a tremendous challenge. As we read that, the, the, that uh, scripture, as we read the, the reality of that, you know, Jesus wasn't just kind of sort of saying a little bit of a, a grace, but uh, whoever does not hate father and mother. And it doesn't mean that you're, you're some kind of venomous kind of, I detest you, the very sight of you makes me sick. Now, what are you saying? You can't love husband or wife, parent or child, before your love of Christ. Which are you going to lay down your life for first? If the call of God means that the family comes second, then the family comes second. If the call of God requires that I spend time away from Claire, maybe in fasting or prayer or preparation, then she doesn't get to tell me that actually, hang on a minute, you don't love me. It's like, actually, do you know what, Claire? I don't love you as much as I love Christ because he's called me to do this. So that's wholehearted. That's a disciple. That's no mere believer. But no mere believer also believes that actually there'll be the right time to give back to Claire. Because God's brought our marriage into place. And so there's going to be an equality. There's going to be a grace in this. And, and as, as, we're, as we're seeing that, you know, the, a disciple is determined. A disciple's determined in his heart about what he's doing or she's doing. Disciple okay. is determined. So we have, do you want me to do this bit? Go on then. Okay, so we have a, another quote here from Oswald Chambers. The show business, which is so incorporated into our view of Christian work today, has caused us to drift far from our Lord's conception of discipleship. It is instilled in us to think that we have to do exceptional things for God. We have not, we have to be exceptional in ordinary things, to be holy in mean streets, among mean people, surrounded by sordid sinners. That is not learnt in five minutes. Mm. So let that sink in your heart. To be exceptional in ordinary things, to be holy in mean streets, among mean people, Surrounded by sordid sinners, 
That's a challenge. That's a call. When Jesus said, follow me, and he said, the result would be, we'd be fishers of men. That's a promise. That we are going to see more and more people saved, following Christ, and beginning to teach them as we follow Christ ourselves. If we're followers, if we're disciples, if we are where he is, then we have determined in our heart, so I wrote here, our disciples determined in his heart that he has heard the call to follow. He's determined in his heart that where his master is, he is going to be. And he's determined in his heart that what the master says, he's going to say no matter the cost. Mm. So should we watch that video? That'd be good. Yeah. I'm a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away or be still. My past redeemed, my present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame vision, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, position, promotion, applause, or popularity. I don't have to be right first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience. I am uplifted by prayer and labor empowered. My face is set, my grade is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions are few, my God reliable, my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of my adversaries, negotiate at the table of my enemy or ponder at the pool of popularity. Give up, shut up, let up until I've stayed up, bored up, prayed up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. That's powerful. Are we disciples of Christ today? Let's just stand to our heart. We just want to make that response to Christ. Let's just open our hearts. Have you been living up to the call? Or have you just been trying to believe Jesus? Are you wholehearted? One of the scriptures in Revelation that terrifies me. It says to the church, I think it's in Laodicea, it says, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Because you're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. I don't know about you, but I don't want God to ever say that about me. I want to be red hot. Yeah. 
white hot even. Whatever it is that's hotter than that. I want to be so on fire that people around me can't help but catch fire. Are we willing to make sure that every part of our life... So, as we start this week of prayer, what's the call of God in our lives? Is Jesus number one? Is he number one in our lives today? And maybe that's the challenge that some folks need to hear. That today is that first day when we say, Jesus, I want you as the Lord of my life. And you, you know, right now, the, your, your heart's beating. You think, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? These people around me, I don't want to appear different, but I know that I don't know you, Jesus. Well, today, make that decision. It's real simple. You just pray like this, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I want you to be in charge of my life. I hear the call to follow you. And I'm asking for your help as I want to follow you today. I give you the rest of my life as I'm going to follow you every day. Please give me your life. In Jesus' name, I'm asking. Father, fill me with your spirit. Help me in every way now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while. Maybe this is something that you've just newly done. You've just given your life to the Lord in the last couple of weeks. And you're hearing that call and it's a step forward today. Let's determine in our hearts. Let's determine in our hearts. Jesus, I don't want anything coming in the way of following you. You just put that in your own words. Where you are right now. We've not got the band playing. We've not got music. We've not got any kind of uh, gizmos. We've just got... You and Jesus right here today. A recommitment to the call. I'm determined to follow you. I'm going to pay the cost. Even if that means burning a few bridges. I'm a believer who does what he's told. I'm a disciple. And right now, maybe there's folks and there's, there's people coming to mind that you know that they distract you. They, they actually uh, don't help you in spending time with Christ. Well, you need to consider whether to Either spend less time or no time with those people. If they don't encourage your faith, should you really be around them? Now, we're not talking about not spending time with non-Christians. But if someone stops you from serving God, they're, they're a hindrance. Maybe it's a work situation. When I first got saved, I, uh, I was working part-time and my part-time job didn't allow me to come to church. It didn't allow me to go to life group. 
And it, the first thing I had to do was pray for that miracle to get a brand new job so that I could actually do church. I could actually be around Christians and take that step. And I had to go and find that job. I was determined, I need to be in church. Maybe the, the, you have to set the alarm half an hour earlier so that you're, you're actually here on time for church. Ready to start because if you believe that God's going to do miracles, you'll be here. If you believe it, Jesus is here, you'll worship him. You won't just wait for the word. You'll give to him your best. You'll be here tonight at the prayer meeting because you want to keep on with God. You want to keep moving on. This week, you'll set aside the time to pray. Not because of some legalistic law, but because you hear the call of God. And you know, he's my Lord. And if he is my Lord, I need to do what he says. So let's just pray. Just pray right now, just where you are. Just pray and make that declaration, whatever it is that you need to do. Respond to God. Allow him to just touch your heart afresh. A disciple is determined. Jesus, I'm determined. I'm determined to be follower, an imitator, sold out. I'm going to complete the course. I'm going to press forward when it costs and when it doesn't cost. When I feel like it and when I don't feel like it. Jesus, I'm in for the long haul. And I refuse to let anything come in the way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, it's a sober message for the start of the year, but it's a liberating message. It's a liberating message. It's a liberating message. So let's just receive the grace. Father, we thank you as we made that decision you say grace is available. But Father, before that, we just want to say sorry that we've missed opportunities. We've not got in your word. We've not been spending time around people. Father, you know the multitude of things that have gone in the way. And today, we want to repent of growing cold, lukewarm. And we're asking you to fill us afresh. To fill us afresh. To make us hot. Really hot for you. And we're stirring up those gifts inside us right now. Stirring up the gift of tearing up the gifts of your spirit. We're using what you've given us to strengthen us today, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. As we fast, we draw close to you. 
And there's greater confidence, there's greater boldness, there's greater authority because we hear your voice more clearly. And so today, Father, we determine in our hearts this week of fasting, we are going to do it. We're going to spend time with you. We're going to seek your face for this nation's sake. We're going to seek your face for this church's sake. We're going to seek your face for our neighbor's sake. We are seeking you. We're following you wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly today, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Father. Father, I pray that we'll be a tenacious people. Tenacious, that we will, we will hold on and hold on and hold on to you. That we will stick, stick, stick. We're not a little bit of sellotape that just is flimsy, but we're, we're like that packing tape, that brown packing tape that Jesus. is stuck fast. Tenacious, tenacious, determined. Yes. Determined to do all that you ask us to do. Determined to follow you no matter what. Determined to stand up for you. Determined to preach the word, Lord. Determined to let your love shine through our lives. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I declare that over this church, that we're a tenacious people, a determined people. In Jesus' name. And we believe you, Father, that this year each one of us is going to lead at least one person to Christ Mm. and make them a disciple. We will disciple them, Lord. Mm. We will teach them everything. Mm. Lord, we are asking you right now, every single one of us, we're asking you for at least one person to lead into Christ's relationship in such a way that they become proper disciples. And we're also saying this month, Father, we want someone to lay hands on and pray for them and see them healed. And Father, we're also making ourselves available in life groups, in church, that we're going to have a word for someone this month. That we're not going to come just to church to hear, but we will come ready to give a word. A word of wisdom, a word of grace, a word of prophecy, a word of encouragement, a word of joy. Thank you, Father.